Well, good morning. Glad to, to see you and to be uh, here uh, with you, each of you. Uh, uh, I want to extend, before we get too far into things, extend a special welcome to those that are gathering online this morning. Uh, so glad that you're worshiping. We hope that today uh, is a blessing for all of us here that are here, but also for those that are gathered online. I want to draw your attention real quickly uh, to, uh, oh yeah, kids, sorry, you guys are dismissed. You just stare at me with those kind of eyes. Oh, it's fine. Have a good time, guys. Have a good time. I want to draw your attention to these little cards that we have uh, on your chairs. Hopefully, everybody has one of these. Uh, for those of you who are online, we'll have a spot for you to comment as well a little bit later. But uh, uh, on these cards, we're going to do something with these cards in a little bit. But I want to kind of start your mind percolating a little bit this morning. On these cards, I have a little prompt or a little question here. Tell of a time when God was with you. Tell of a time when God was with you. When you were coming in to the worship gathering this morning, you may have noticed on the back wall back there, there's a bunch of these cards that have already been clipped to some strings there. Uh, later on in the service, in just a few minutes actually, I'm going to have you write down some things. And I want you to think about how it is that God has been with you, where it is that God has shown himself to be faithful to you. So before we jump into too much of what I want to talk about this morning, I want to just kind of place that seed in your mind and let that percolate for a little while in, in your mind's eye to be thinking about how have you experienced a time when God was with you? And maybe that, was, that experience was six months ago, maybe it was two days ago, maybe it was two years ago but a time when you experience the truth, the reality that God is with you, that God is with you. So we'll come back to that in a few minutes here, but just to have that in your mind's eye to be thinking about. Well, this is the second Sunday in Advent. We started Advent last Sunday at the Hanging of the Greens service where we gathered to sing some songs, to be reminded of who God is, to light the first Advent candle, to hang the greens around the service, around the, the church campus uh, to kind of prepare our ways, but Advent is the season, the weeks leading up to Christmas where we anticipate the birth of Christ. Advent comes from the word to mean coming or arrival, and so we're anticipating the arrival of Christ at that Christmas time, and we are to celebrate that as a people of God. We're calling this teaching series, today is the first of the teaching series in Advent, but today we're, we're calling the teaching series, A Weary World Rejoices. And it comes from a, a song that many of you may know. It comes from the Christmas song, O Holy Night. I'm not going to sing it for you. I'll, bear, I'll, I'll, I'll let you not have that torture to you. But the words of the song, O Holy Night, simply say this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared and our soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That there's something that is breaking on the scene in the birth of Jesus that causes a weary world to rejoice. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. There's something captivating. There's something inspiring. There's something good about a tired, weary, broken down world finding reason to rejoice. And if there's one word or one phrase that you can capture 2020, it's weary, tired, confusing, broken down, 
one word to describe the year that we've all lived through is just kind of this tiresome, this wearisome. And yet as followers of Jesus, when we gather in his name, we remind each other that in a weary world, in a world that's broken and tired and burned down and just kind of broken down in many ways, we remember that there's reason to rejoice. That the birth of Jesus gives us reason to rejoice. And so we do that. So over these next few weeks, we're going to think about ways in which Christ reminds us to rejoice. Now, I just don't think that you can find reason to rejoice in this world outside of faith. For all that we've had to endure, for all the things that we've had to go through in 2020, you can't find reason to rejoice apart from faith. Because without an eternal perspective, without a, a faithful perspective, all we're left with is the weariness of this world. There's really no reason to rejoice. It's broken. It's, it's tired. It's weary. And yet from the perspective of faith, from the perspective of eternity, from the perspective of knowing Christ, we have reason to rejoice. Even in the midst of wearisome, even in the midst of tired and, and broken and hurtful world, we have cause for rejoicing. And so for these next weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to look at reasons to rejoice. Because I don't know about year 2020. I don't know the specifics of, of the weary, tiresome stuff that you've had to go through in 2020. But I know what I've gone through. And I know that my soul and my heart and my body can get tired and confused and frustrated with all the stuff that we've had to deal with in 2020. And my heart and my soul and my mind need to be reminded of the promises of God that we'll see in the scriptures. And my heart and my body and my mind and my spirit needs to be reminded that in the midst of a weary world that we can rejoice. That we can rejoice. I suspect that that's true of you as well. So that's what we're going to do. Collectively, we're going to look at four promises over these next few weeks. These next three, and then we'll have Christmas, and the fourth one will actually be right after Christmas. But we're going to look at four promises that we see not only in the Christmas story, but in God's story that gives us reason to rejoice. We're going to look at the fact that God is with us, that God is for us, that God is ahead of us, and that God works through us. And because God is with us, we're not alone. And because God is for us, we don't stand condemned. And because God is, is ahead of us, then we're not lost. And because God is working through us, then we're not powerless. Not powerless. These four promises that we see in Scripture, we're going to work our way through them in the weeks to come. But before we jump in too much, let me pray, and we'll get started with the first promise that we look at this morning. Jesus, we are humbled by you, and we ask, in the midst of a weary world, in the midst of a 2020 that seems unending, that you would give us reason to rejoice, that our hearts, our minds, our spirits would find these promises to be true, that we would know you better as a result, and that we may rejoice because of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said this morning, we're going to look at that first promise, that God is with us. And because God is with us, we're not alone. We're not alone. So I'm picking up in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, reading of, talking about the birth of Jesus. 
the gospel writer Matthew says this, that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. One of the dangers that I, and things I'm a little concerned about about the Christmas season is that we can become really desensitized to the story and the wonder and the majesty that is Christmas, that is this birth of Jesus. We can talk about the birth of Jesus. We can talk about Emmanuel, God with us. We can sing about Jesus and sing about the songs about Christ at the Christmas season. But sometimes I feel like we get kind of desensitized to it and we think that that's a good story for Christmas time. But what about the rest of the year? Well, what about the rest of our existence? It's a nice thing to put up a nativity scene and to light some candles and hang some decorations around Christmas to be reminded of some things. But what about the rest of the story? What about the rest of our life? What about the rest of the year? Are these things that we understand at the Christmas season, are, are they true just for Christmas? Are they true for some nice nativity scenes? Are they true for some nice decorations? Or are they true of God that are true not only at Christmas but always? What we celebrate at Christmas is the marvelous truth that God came to be with us, to be Emmanuel in Christ, but the fact that God is with us is true of God from the very beginning. God has dwelt and has been with us and has been walking with us, has been stirring in our lives. He's been around us. And so this morning, I'm taking a little different approach at this understanding. We're not going to zero in specifically on the birth of Christ. We're going to look at this promise that we have in Scripture throughout the Older Testament, the Newer Testament, and even into the promised future that God is with us. And because God is with us, we're not alone. We're not alone. So this morning, as a little bit of a different approach to things, we're going to look at Psalm 139. So if you have a Bible with you or a phone with an app, you may want to open up to that. We're not going to read the entire Psalm 139. We're not going to read all of it but it would be good for you to kind of have it in front of you a little bit. So if you have a phone that has an app that you can do that or you have your Bible with you, that'd be good to kind of get into. There are three movements in this passage, Psalm 139, that I think are helpful for us to understand God with us. And the, the, we see that God really knows us. We see that God is closer here with us. And we see that God made and sustains us. So the first one we're going to get into, first one is that God really knows us. The first six verses in Psalm 139, David repeats a phrase to talk about knowledge seven times. Now the biblical writers and poetic writers in that day and age would have known that seven represents a perfection. That the understanding of repeating something seven times is significant in the kind of writing that David is writing in Psalm 139. In six verses, he uses a word or a phrase to denote knowledge or, or knowing, and he does it on purpose. So listen to verses 1 through 6. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my, day, all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
So why do I tell you this in the first six verses in Psalm 139? Why do I tell you that David repeats a phrase for knowledge seven times? What's he getting at? That the reader, the first reader of the psalm would have picked up on that instantaneously. Why do, why do I tell you that? Because God knows you. He doesn't just know about you. He doesn't just know things around you. He knows us perfectly. His knowledge of us and of our experience, of our situation, is perfect. It's perfect. One of the reasons that a weary world has difficulty rejoicing is because we feel like nobody understands what we're going through. We feel like we're enduring something through 2020 that no one has ever experienced before, and it causes us to be tired and confused and, and broken down. And yet we are reminded in Psalm 139 that God knows perfectly what's going on. The stuff around us doesn't surprise God's knowledge. It's not that he, he's taken surprise by it. It's not that he, he's like shocked by what's going on. That his knowledge of what's happening in your life and in your situation is perfect. He knows it full well. His knowledge is complete. But when you feel like you're all alone and no one knows your situation. No one knows what you're going through. No one knows the things you had to go through in 2020. No one knows the sicknesses and the confusion and the fear and the anxiety. And when you feel all alone, well, then it causes us to be weary and we lose our reason to rejoice. If anything, in 2020, have we not felt alone at some point? Have we not felt the wearisome of being lonely? where people don't fully understand? Has it not caused us to feel tired in 2020? But the promise we are given in Scripture, starting in the Older Testament, and we see it manifested in the Christ child, is that God is with us. His knowledge of our situation, of who we are, he knows it perfectly. Perfectly. And it's not just a, a sort of information like a head knowledge. Like, I know about that situation. I read about that one time in a textbook. I kind of have some understanding there. But David's understanding in Psalm 139 is a knowledge that is perfect because of knowledge of proximity. David said, you hem me in before and behind me. You know my situation. You're around me. Your proximity is close to me. Your knowledge is not book knowledge because you learned about it in school one day, but your knowledge is perfect because you're here. You are with me. That gives me reason to rejoice, which is the second thing we see in this movement of, the, of the Psalm 139, that God is close, that God is really, really with me. There are perhaps lots of ways that God could have dealt with our sin with the wrongdoing and the brokenness in our world. There are perhaps dozens of ways that God could have done it. And yet God chose to enter in to our humanity. God chose to come close to broken humanity, to know us, to know us perfectly and to be near to us in our muck and in our mire and our brokenness chose to be here. The book of Hebrews, we're told that, that Christ knows all of our temptations and he's been tempted in every way. He knows our situation because he's experienced it and he's experienced it perfectly. He knows what we're going through and because he's with us, we're not alone. 
He doesn't know by book knowledge. He knows by experience knowledge. He knows because he's here. He is indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And that's not just true at Christmas. It's not just true in a, in a manger scene, in a nativity scene that you put up on your mantle. It's not just true when we hang the lights and we think about singing the songs, but it is true in January, and it's true in June, and it's true in November, and it's true in 21, and it will be true in 22, that God is with us. He's close to us. Back in Psalm 139, if you pick up in verse 7 through 10, David says this, that where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The main idea here in this portion of the psalm is that you cannot hide from the presence of God. If you rise on the, on the wings of the dawn, if you go to the highest highs or you go in, in the lowest depths of the low, then God is there too. That God is with you in proximity. You cannot hide from the pursuit of God. He's there. I've been sitting for this whole year, I've been sitting in Psalm 23. I've been meditating on it, I've been studying it, I've been rereading it. It's familiar to many people who've grown up in the church. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And even if you didn't grow up in the church, but you've seen Hallmark cards, oftentimes that's quoted in a Hallmark card. This familiar passage, I've been sitting in it for most of this year, and I've been meditating on it and rereading it and studying it. But as I've been restudying it and I've been looking at it, I ran across something that I hadn't quite seen before, this little hidden treasure in Psalm 23, that I find fascinating, that at the very heart of the psalm is the phrase, for you are with me. At the very heart of Psalm 23 is this phrase, you are with me. And when I say at the heart of the psalm, I mean smack in the exact middle of the psalm. And this is what I didn't quite understand before, that there are 26, exactly 26 Hebrew words before the phrase, you are with me. And there are exactly 26 Hebrew words after the phrase, you are with me. So at the exact center of this psalm is the phrase, you are with me. But it gets even better than that. Because before the psalm, before the phrase, you are with me, in that psalm, those 26 Hebrew words, the writer is talking about God in third person. He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He restores my soul. But after that phrase, you are with me, the writer changes his tense and he speaks directly to God. You direct my ways. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. There's a nearness to God that the psalm depicts. That smack right in the middle of all that's going on in the psalm, right in the middle, 26 words before, 26 words after, is this phrase, you are with me. It's what one author had to say, that the abiding presence of the shepherd is the beating heart of the psalm. The abiding presence of Jesus, of our shepherd, enables us to rejoice in a weary world. 
Friends, I, I pray that you would hear the message this morning. That God knows your situation perfectly. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. He knows your anxieties. He knows what your 2020 has been like perfectly. He knows the feeling of loneliness that you've experienced. He knows the feeling of tired and weary and broken down, confused, and even anger that you have experienced in 2020. He knows it, and he knows it perfectly. And his abiding presence is with you in the midst of it, right smack in the center of it. His presence is there. He didn't choose to save humanity. He didn't choose to save you or to forgive your sin from a distance. He didn't choose to wave his divine wand and deal with the sin issue like that. He chose to be near to you, to be close. Not just head book knowledge about our situation, but to experience it. And while that may not change the circumstances immediately, the promise that knowing that God is with us and reminding us that we are not alone in what we're experiencing, well, because of that and maybe because of that alone, we can rejoice. We can find reason to rejoice. Third movement in this Psalm 139 I find helpful is that God made us that God sustains us. He knit us together. Look in, in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When you think about the wonder of the created human body, and how we've been made and how we've been held together and sustained and put together all the ways that he, we have been put together. It's a marvelous miracle that we function the way we function, the way our human body works. And the more you study it, the more in awe you should become at the knowledge of the one who knit you together, who holds you together and sustains you by his grace, who knows you. I did a little research on the human body and how it works. I found some things I thought were really fun and fascinating. Let me give you a couple of them. This is just thanks to Google. So hopefully they're right. I don't know if they're right or not. I didn't, I didn't go to school for these. I just searched at them real quickly. There are 25 trillion red blood cells flowing through your body right now. 25 trillion red blood cells that carry oxygen to the various parts of your body and the organs that, that need your body to go on. And in order for your body to maintain 25 trillion, because some of them will die off and kind of expire, and a little bit, in order for your body to maintain 25 trillion red blood cells at a time, your bone marrow has to replace them at a rate of 2.5 million every second. Every second, your body is replacing red blood cells, 2.5 million of them every second. Your skeleton kind of grows and kind of goes away a little bit and so that every six or seven years, you've got new bones in your body. So every six or seven years, you should feel like a new person. You should feel like a new person. Just keep going. It takes about 60 seconds for one red blood cell to circulate your whole body. 60 seconds. In one minute, one of those things goes to every little part of your body. You know that your stomach all the acid that's in your stomach, in order to stop your stomach from digesting itself, it has to replace the mucus lining inside your stomach every three to four days. Kind of disgusting. 
but still pretty cool to think about. Otherwise, if your body didn't produce that mucus inside your stomach lining, the acid would eat away and you would eat acid all throughout your body and you would die. Every three to four days, your body has to reproduce new stomach acid. Fascinating. Gross, I get that, but fascinating. The human eye alone, the human eye is capable of taking in over one million different colors and textures. Which, when I read that, I started thinking, maybe there really is a difference between all these shades of white and salmon and pink and all this very sand and beige. I just think brown, yellow, but apparently there's millions of different kind of textures and colors, and I was wrong all these years. But your body is fantastic. And when you study the body, the way your eyes work, the way your blood works, the way your bones work, when you study it, you would say nothing less than what David says in Psalm 139. God, I praise you, for I am fearfully, wonderfully made. You have made me. You have the knowledge to knit me together, to hold me, sustain me, so that all the parts of my body are working in harmony and functioning the way they're supposed to be functioning. I don't think about it. I'm not the one making it happen. But God, you have knit me together. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Our human bodies are just amazing. And they causes us to rejoice in the one who has made us, who knows our situation perfectly, who is near to us, is close in proximity, and by his grace sustains us and made us. One more thing that I see in this psalm that reminds us to rejoice, and that is rem that reminding that we are in the middle of, of a battle, that we're in the middle of a battle, that there's a presence of evil in our world, that there's a presence of brokenness in our world. I don't have time to read all of it, but if you look at verses 19 through 24, you can see where they, David reminds us that there is evil and things that are going on, Th people in the world that are determined to turn our eyes off of God, off of the eternal, and focus them only on the temporal only on what is right before us, only on the wearisomeness, only on the brokenness, only on the things that we see that are, are going wrong. There's this presence of evil in this world, and, and we feel the, the tension in it. And because of the presence of the evil, because of the presence of this weary world that we live in, we need to be reminded of the first three truths that, that, that David writes about, that God knows us, that God is close to us, that God has made and sustains us by his grace. And because this world that we live in seeks to draw our attention off of God, off of what he's done in our world, off of who he's done for us, and just get it worked on or, or focused on the problems at hand, we need to be reminded of what he says about the very beginning. And perhaps these are truths that you've heard before. Perhaps you've grown up in a church and you've heard these things before. Maybe not. Maybe this is one of the first times you've heard of these things, these promises of God that he is with you, that he is close to you, and that he has made you and sustains you by his grace. Maybe they're new truths, maybe they're old truths. But after months of quarantine, after months of restrictions, have we not forgotten some of this? Have we not gotten tired and weary? Wherever you are in your life with God, You've been following for decades or you've been following for minutes. Would you hear this morning that there's good news in this weary world? That we have reason 
to rejoice. And it's not because a vaccine's coming. It's not because something's going to happen in 21. It's because God is with us. And because God is with us, we're not alone. And because we're not alone, and he knows our situation perfectly, and because he's close in proximity to us, and because he has made us and sustains us by his grace, then we have reason to rejoice. In the midst of a weary, broken world that seeks to draw our attention off of God, we have reason to rejoice. To rejoice. Would you hear that this morning? Would you, would you receive it this morning? So what do you do with all that? What do you do with those promises? What do you do with that truth that we see, see in, Rome, in, in Psalm 139 and that we see in the birth of Christ and as we see it in the early church? Well, what, do we, what do we do with that? How do you respond to these promises and these truths? Well, that gets me to this little card that was on your chairs. And for those of you who are online, we're going to invite you to do some writing online as well. Because what do we do with this? How do we respond? Well, we respond in two ways. First, we respond in worship. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I will rejoice in who you are, God, that you are with me. So I, I worship because God is worthy of all my song and my words and my adoration. And so the first response is that we worship for who he is. But the second response is that we testify. We tell of God's goodness to the world around us. And that's where this card's come in. If you don't have a pen with you, if you didn't bring one in, there's pens on the back table back there by the tech booth. And what we're going to ask you to do is to write down a testimony of how you have experienced God to be with you. How have you experienced God's perfect knowledge of your situation when you didn't know what was going on, but God knew what was happening? How have you experienced the closeness of God where you felt alone but God was with you and you experienced that truth that he was near to you? Or how did you experience God's sustaining work to just make you and, and hold you together that your body is functioning the way it is? How have you experienced God with us? See, our task is to remain steadfast in our worship. To not turn our eyes to the left or to the right, but to, to focus them on who Christ is and to worship and to adore and to magnify his name. Our, our job is to remain steadfast in our worship of God. But we are also to testify to those around us, to share the news, to tell others of the way in which God has been with us, has been near to us, has shown himself to be gracious to us. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. In a moment, Jason and the band are going to lead us in responsive worship where we can with our mouths engage and respond to who God is and to declare his, worthy, his worth and to, to worship him with our bodies and with our mouths. But during that time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to testify to how God has been with you. So I'm going to invite you to grab a pen and you can grab one in the back or grab one in, in your seats or in your chairs or in your purse or whatever you have around you, and to write down, and maybe it's just a word, but maybe it's a sentence. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe there's a story that you want to write, or maybe you don't want to write it. You want to draw a picture that depicts this way in which God has been with you. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these cards, and I'm going to invite you to write them down, and to take one of those little alligator clips and clip it to the strings that are on the tech booth back there. 
And you can see from the first service, there's a handful that are already there. You can put them over top of each other, kind of, oh, don't drop them. Good grief. Man. Well, it's a long ways. It did go on. The, uh, you can overlap them. You can put them on top of each other. That kind of stuff. We're going to fill those lines with testimonies of how we, God's people, have experienced God with us. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave them up. And each week we're going to add to them another little layer. And we're going to add another layer, another layer. And every week when you come into this gathering, every week when you come into these doors and you sit in these chairs, before you do, take a gander at some of those stories. Be encouraged. Because God is with you, you're not alone. When you write down this testimony, it's good for you to glorify God and say, God, you have been with me and I honor you because of this. And you write that down. But recognize that your story, that your testimony, you're talking about what God has done for you. Well, that may cause someone to be encouraged. The Spirit of God may use your story to encourage someone else who's feeling weary and lonely and broken down and afraid and not sure what to do. And they're going to walk into these room, this room through those doors and they're going to read your story. And they're going to see how God's been there with you. And God's going to use that to encourage somebody. Because somebody's going to walk through these doors and maybe someone's sitting this morning that is tired and weary. Kind of done with 2020. And they need to read your story of how God has been with you. And because God is with us, we're not alone. So how do you respond to these promises? We worship. We sent our, set our eyes on Christ. And we testify to his goodness. So while Jason and the band comes and they lead us in this responsive worship songs, I'm going to invite you to write down your story. Testify. And then go back and use those alligator clips. Just clip them right on the on the lines there, and you'll be good to go. And read a story. Before you leave this morning, read someone's story. Read how God has been there for us. Because God is with us, we're not alone. And for that reason, in this weary 2020 world, we rejoice. We rejoice. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we recognize your presence this morning. We recognize that you are, your knowledge is perfect of us, of our situation, of our fears, of our anxieties, of our loneliness. And yet you promise to be with us. And though we have walked through a dark 2020 at times, you are with us. And that makes all the difference. May we worship you now in spirit, in truth, in glory. May we worship you for who you are. And may we testify to the fact that you are indeed Emmanuel, God with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.